0: Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 84, Vanishing Point from 1971. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. I have to stop for a minute. Oh yeah? We have a Too Fast, Too Forever
1: first. Oh, wait, what? what's that? This episode is also... Brought to you by Dodge. Oh, they sponsored... Okay, okay. Take the streets by storm. Sit down, buckle up, and hold on tight. From Sinister Speed to Exceptional Control, the Dodge Challenger is breaking mm. through the limits of performance. Thank you, Dodge Challenger.
0: So Dodge came earlier this la- earlier this lap. They said, yeah. you know that you're kicking it old school, and they said, we want to sponsor the Fast and the Furious, your first episode of the lap. And we're like, cool, absolutely. That sounds awesome.
1: Dom's Charger. This is a perfect fit. We pitched it to them. They emailed us back.
0: You're you're fielding sales inquiries all day. All
1: day. <laughs> that's literally, that's pretty much my job. They emailed us back. They said, whoa. They got the analytics. Huge spike in charger sales. Huge spike. Massive spike in charger sales. They said, hey, if you ever consider doing Vanishing Point, We'd like you to maybe shout out the Challenger. It just so happened that we were doing Vanishing Points, so here we are.
0: Unbelievable, unprecedented. You think people aren't buying cars, but you, the listeners of Too Fast Too Forever, have come out in droves <laughs> and uh, use offer code 2F2F to get your, your money off your Dodge Charger. Now we're going to see if we can do it again for the Challenger. This is very exciting.
1: Much like a lot of car dealerships, they will deliver your Challenger, uh, no hands, directly to your house if you'd like to purchase one, so... You know, check out the Power Dollars promotion going on at Dodge right now.
0: Unbelievable. Thank you so much, Dodge. But Joe, aside from fielding so many sales offers and inquiries and, you know, advertisements and sponsorship opportunities, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we recorded, what was our last episode? What did I just finish editing? My Cousin Vinny on Sunday. Yes. Yes. Well, we did something together.
1: What did we do together? Remotely. Oh, yeah, we went to Jordan's birthday party. Yes. That was a blast. dude. Our friend Jordan. Past
0: guest of the show, Jordan Paul and Clark. Yes, the you guys know. And host of Wistful Thinking.
1: Family, family, too fast, mm-hmm, family mm-hmm, member. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was her birthday. And she proposed that, because, you know, we're all in quarantine, that we have a Zoom birthday. So for me, I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this. Off the jump in the description, she's like... This is a three song dance party birthday. It's going to be three songs long. It's going to be a dance party and no one's going to talk. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what I want for my birthday. And I was like, okay, you got me listening here. I I can be about this. Then she comes in earlier that day and she goes, on top of it being a three song dance party where no one's going to talk, I'm actually muting everyone. No one can talk. And it's going to be a three song dance party. I was like, this is a party made for me. I got to be in my house, I got to see you, I got to see our friend, friend the Mikester, ride along lap family Mikester, we got to see Brian we Rodriguez. Hold the
0: ultimate Mike Manzi move, oh and God. there's a three song dance party, a party that's intentionally <laughs> 10 minutes long, and Mike's like, sorry guys, I'm out, after, after two songs, after about six minutes, I'm too tired, I'm gone, and he leaves.
1: Which is incredible, this, this is a joke that would only be so funny if you knew Mike Manzi, because he is the king of, le- I leave early. Mike beats me out of places. To the point where I'm like, I'm I'm kind of impressed because like that's kind of my shtick. Like my friends are like, Oh, Joe doesn't want to do anything and he also leaves early. Mike beats me out of parties. Like, he'll like look down and he'll be like, three oh, thirty in the afternoon, gotta go.
0: And he'll be like, What? He did I think it was on a recent episode of maybe of Foodie Films. It must have been, when they were talking about the last temptation of Christ, and it was him, Brian and Kyle. And they were talking about either the wedding or something. I think they referenced Mike leaving Brian's wedding early. And Mike, once again, reiterated, I've learned not to try to keep up with Joe too in anything.
1: (laughs) No, like we, we talked about that. Yeah. So Mike was trying to keep up with me and drinking and like Rachel and I drank a lot. And like we didn't ask him to keep up. We weren't pressuring him to keep up. He was just like just doing it because we were drinking our drinks so fast because that's just normal speed for us. And he was dead.
0: But you have like a you have practice, and you have a history, yeah. and you have liver disease. Like yeah. you, have, you have you have all of the tendencies to like be able to weather that storm. But whether it's P.S.L. of Hoffman live, or Brian's wedding, or wherever. I guess rightly so. He wants to. He wants to have fun. He wants to keep up with you. And yet, that's a bad idea. Yeah, like, but like I said, I never like pressure him to like. Like, I'm not like, hey, bud, like keep drinking, keep
1: drinking, or something like that. I'm sorry, Mike, that I keep killing you with alcohol. I don't try to. I never try to like I have friends that don't drink you know what I mean like it's like hey man if that's your choice that's fine but like I'm gonna drink at the speed that I drink at other things that I've been up to
0: just real quick I also do want to give a shout out to Kara. past driving school lap it was her birthday yesterday oh happy birthday party but they have back-to-back yeah back-to-back birthday days so happy birthday to Jordan and to Kara. nice happy
1: birthday both ladies the other thing that I've been up to actually two cool things went to the store today in masks To buy some groceries and stuff, but we went to Walmart, right? Because it's kind of a one-stop shop. You don't want to be out too much. You know, we can kind of get everything in one place. I let Rachel pick out a new Lego set. Shout out to our sponsor. Rachel picked out the Dodge Combination set today, which is a 2018 Dodge Challenger. And a 1970 Dodge Charger, which is essentially Dom's Charger. Like, it was what they packaged this as. So she got that today. That's something cool. I'm excited for her to put that together. I'm kind of... I'm honestly kind of running low on trash TV, right? I've been blowing through Love After Lockup. Tiger King, obviously watched that in a day.
0: Did you watch the, uh, the
1: after show? No, I didn't. I'm not a big fan of, like, reunions and after show type things.
0: I read one thing very briefly that said, like, this basically... It almost does more harm than good to the series. Like it, it feels like it was not only was it not necessary, but it kind of, makes, it kind of cheapens other things. I was like, oh, I don't even know.
1: Somebody, one of our friends that really enjoyed the show with us messaged us and said, oh, it's a lot of Joel McHale doing like Skype interviews. And I was like, that sounds awful. It like, sounds bad. Don't make me watch that. I actually specifically don't watch a lot of these like reunion shows on the reality TV shows I watch because I don't enjoy them either. Like I just want just like the show. So I've been running low. Rachel found a show. It's called My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding. There's a bunch of, as they call themselves, Rumneys, Romanian gypsies that live in America now. And okay. also some Irish settler, some Irish travelers, Irish gypsies. And it just shows them trying to get ready for a wedding. And it kind of revolves around this one woman who has a dress shop where she makes these, like, very elaborate, tacky dresses that just have, like, a ton of Swarovski crystals on them, super flamboyant, very skimpy, tons of rhinestones, tons of glitter, tons of shine, and, like, this is what the show is. The whole point of that story was is that we were watching that, and I was like, what are Irish – do you know what Irish travelers are? No. So they're Irish gypsies. So I'm looking up Irish travelers. I was, like, trying to, like, you know, understand, like, what's about – and they're like, oh, you know, they kind of like broke off in Ireland and they like live there and they're genetically different than the normal Irish. And, you know, some of those came over and their slur referred to as pikeys.
0: Oh, OK, I know that. I thought that was a Boston thing. I mean, I guess it is Boston thing, but I've heard that in Boston.
1: And Snatch.
0: Oh, yeah. OK, yep, 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 yep. Brad yep. Pitt is a
1: pikey. So I looked at Rachel and I was like, oh, they're pikeys. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, like a dog. Do you want a dag? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you've never seen Snatch, have you? She was like, no. I was like, okay, we need to stop the show immediately. We went and watched Snatch. We finished the movie. I go, "Pikes," And she was like, Ah. And I was like, okay, cool. And then we went back to watching <laughs> <laughs> um, Irish Gypsies by Wedding Dresses. Yes, yes, yes. It just was happening. And I was like, Snatch is a great movie. It re- it like revolves around this. The cast is great. So she had never seen it. She watched Snatch for the first time. She really enjoyed it. And she learned what pikeys were. And now we're watching about their dress buying in America now.
0: Have you two watched a show that I have not watched, but I've heard very good things about? Have you watched the show Terrace House on Netflix? No. So it's, I think, like, Japanese. It's Japanese. Yeah, I've um... heard about this. Big Brother, maybe, or something, but I heard, like, when it came out, I heard from uh, several different people online, on Twitter, on blogs and Mm -hmm. stuff, this was like, oh, this is the reality show that we all need right now, and then I forgot about it, because I don't watch it, but every year or two, or every six months, or however often, it's like, there's a new season, but I just saw another story or two this week about how, like, basically, if you need more, like, Terrace House is your solution to the streaming problem, so, like, I can't vouch for it at all, Yes, but if you you run out of the My Big Fat Gypsy whatever, uh, try terrace house because i've heard from places that i respect uh, that it's good i don't know if it is or not but just See, give it a shot the thing that
1: the thing that i'm looking for in these shows which like i would like to try terrace house i've heard great things from all my friends that watch reality tv too But the thing that I'm looking for is something that, like, I can hear in the background and play on my phone.
0: Yeah, you don't have to watch the TV. Yep, I thought that.
1: That's the thing. Like, if it was in Japanese, like, I'd have to actually be watching it. And really, I kind of feel shitty about myself if I actually give it full attention. I only enjoy it the most when I give it, like, 25% attention. You know, like, looking up and being like, oh, fuck, this dress is horrible. And then, like, going back to my phone is, like... In, like, that's the perfect amount of attention that I want to give it. Sure. Yes, I would like to watch Terrace House, but, like, I don't think that I really... The only reality TV show that I fully commit to is Temptation Island. That's the one that you okay. need to really pay attention to. But other than that... Okay. Thank you, though. What have you so, been up to? Yeah, I get
0: it. Maybe maybe there'd be a dub. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, what have I been up to? We are starting tonight. We are starting Risk Game number two, which is exciting. The baseball season we have been streaming, we finally, just now, before we started recording this, caught up to Today. So I was we started the season like two and a half weeks behind, Then I was trying to stream every time one of us played the other, and then I realized after about a week of that, like, oh, this is not gonna happen. There's too many games, like we wouldn't catch up to like May or June. Like there's just the volume is too great. So I basically started streaming one or two per series, but now we are caught up to today, so we're not gonna go past today. Just we're gonna do one okay. day at a time.
1: How are you doing standings wise?
0: Yeah, so I just I tallied the standings before today. So as though it was this morning. I am I have the fifth best record, I'm thirteen and six. Uh, three teams are 14 and five. One team is 13 and five. Uh, the worst team in our league has fought his way up to 500. He is nine and nine. He's actually the guy at the draft who had the most money at the draft. So I don't know what is going on, but he ostensibly has the best team, but is yes. nine and nine. And the guy with the second most money at the draft is ten and nine. He's in next to last place. But I mean, we're all in different divisions. Like there's six of us in the and AL. It's only six you in the guys, NL. right?
1: You didn't leave like computer teams in.
0: Oh no, we're, no, we're playing computer teams. Like this is like it's a thirty okay. team league, and we're we're comprising twelve of them. Okay. okay. So most of our games are against computer teams. That's where most of our winning records come from. Exactly. Um, but sense. right now, as we're recording this, I am streaming the third of a three game series between me and my friend Tom. This is the first time that either of us has played. Another person in our league so far up till this point, uh, we'd only played the computer. So, right now, in the first two games of the series, I won both of them. So, this is I'm going for the sweep. So, let's see if that happens. But what's crazy about this, I think, because A, these are basically super teams playing against you know, like every all star game, like it's just gonna be like a lot of them are high scoring. This the home runs are crazy. Like the Polo Grounds, do you know, are you familiar with the Polo Grounds Uh, from I think? Maybe Harlem ish, like very, very northern Manhattan.
1: I know the name, but I don't know why I know it, so tell me.
0: So the polo grounds is in Upper Manhattan. It's where the Giants used to play. It was demolished in nineteen sixty-four, built in eighteen ninety, refurbished in nineteen ten or nineteen eleven. The dimensions are crazy. Like down the line it's like two sixty in left field and like two sixty five or something in right field. And like in center so it's that's like five hundred feet. It's it's Way deep in the middle and way short down the lines. Okay, and so there are so many home runs there. So like the guy who's in last place with, you know, in in last place of us nine and nine, uh, he has J D Martinez who's on the Red Sox in real life. But through eighteen games in the season, he has eleven home runs. Like we are going to shatter so many records just because goofy stadiums super teams and I think just by watching the games there's maybe more I don't know but like it's going to be insane but like what's exciting the thing I'm most excited about aside from just being able to watch baseball and like the overall accumulation of stats is that there's like all-star games and there's you know year-end awards and everything and so like we can actually see who of us is doing the best and it's gonna be good to see. I think
1: yeah it'll be really really cool I'm excited for you Keep us updated. Yes,
0: well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I sure will, even if people don't care.
1: I kind of care. And as long as you're telling me like this, this is fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's about it. I haven't really been doing a whole lot otherwise. I haven't really. I just recording podcasts and editing podcasts and just walking and not going to the grocery store i have to go to the grocery store i think tomorrow i'm trying to do my uh, burn through of leftovers because i thought i was gonna have to go like yesterday or Did two days ago my, and I, just keep... I,
1: I sent you a message i was listening to the last episode talking about the message and a big recommendation i have for you is to go on amazon and order a bunch of plastic deli containers like,
0: oh we talked about this like
1: quart size half a quart size
0: I mean I have so many Tupperware that I could do that with but like I don't I'm not really throwing chili out and I don't mind like I just it's not like an overwhelming amount I just you know wait a little while and make it again so it's yeah. a good recommendation
1: I strongly recommend this this is something that Matt like we were talking Matt was saying something about leftovers and Tupperware and stuff right and he was sitting here and my buddy that I work with was sitting here and we were like Matt do you not have deli containers and he's like no I have Tupperware and we're like just buy deli containers, dude. And he's like, it's not like that much different. We're like, no, it's, it's very different. Like it's so much easier to store and like you could freeze in them. If they break, you just throw them away. You know what I mean? You just recycle them. Cause like Tupperware containers are always like in a square form. They're never like a tall, yep. like cup, you know what I mean? Like a big thing. And like, these are already like measured out in quart and stuff like that. So we switched to those and they're delightful. Highly recommended to anybody if you're saving food things like we store sauces and soups and everything like that. And if you get like different size ones like Rachel has like I think eighth of a quart. So like maybe like one cup or something and then like half a quart and a full quart size. And so like between those we can kind of save everything like pizza sauce and small ones if we make a big batch of pizza sauce. It's really mm-hmm. cool highly recommend it
0: yeah i mean i just ha- i have so much tupperware that like i don't need that and i also don't like i don't over make food a lot and so like even if i make a whole crock pot full of chili or an entire thing for tacos like it's only like four or five meals at most right so like I- i'm not really making bulk in batch to freeze but it's a good recommendation that do it deli containers are good yeah I, mean, I don't know i just you know i don't know we'll say
1: chili and stuff like that like that's the best stuff to just freeze and then you could just thaw one whenever you want. You throw it in the fridge in the morning or, like, throw it in the sink in a bowl of water. Make some rice. You'll be good to go.
0: Yeah. But that's it. That's all I've been doing. So no real news there. I uh, There's nothing you know spectacular that I've watched, I don't think, that we haven't covered for the show already. So yeah. who knows? Cool. Well, so we have a Patreon here on the show, patreon.com/2fast2forever if you want to contribute to the show, if you want to support yeah. the show financially, 2fast2forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen and Justin Kleinman for supporting us at the $5 level thank or above. You thank you, all we so very, very much. It. We do. Before I get to the email bag, I want to check on Apple Podcasts. I think I looked yesterday. I don't think there's any new reviews. So either people aren't listening to these, people already rated us, or people just don't care. But please leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a nice review. Thank you so very much. Yes, thank you. Mailbag, I believe I have to open it up now. I think we have two emails, and I think we maybe... I want to see maybe one of them was a car picture. Let me open this up. Let me see what's going on. We have an email address, family... At cageclub.me. All right, Joe. We have three emails today to family at cageclub.me. The first one is from Hector, which is a car picture. So I'll go over that down the road. We have six car pictures. We 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 gotta. We might have to
1: cut them into these, right?
0: It feels like we're falling more behind just because we're doing more episodes. We're still we're doing them in the, the same. The order episodes we, would. That we play these on, yeah. So I don't okay. Know. We'll see how you feel at the end of this if you want to do another one, but we have one no, from Hector, so Hector, thank you. We'll think about it. Okay. Quick one from Jason Dickinson. Subject line, The Fate of the Furious. He sent this two days ago on Tuesday the 14th. He says The Fate of the Furious was released on this day three years ago. And that
1: liar. I don't know if you saw this or not, but Jason messaged us saying that he was watching Fate of the Furious that day. And I oh, was
0: like, Oh, I thought he was
1: taking an abstention. That's what I said. And he said, No, I am, but I'm just watching it today just once. I was like, Okay. We knew you couldn't stay away for a whole year, and you made it less time than I thought you would. I just, I'm sorry. I just wanted to tease him about that
0: because he was like, No, 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 no. <laughs> I did watch one of his uh, YouTube reviews for Birds of Prey. I was just like, oh, I haven't seen one of these in a while, and he really liked Birds of Prey, so I'll watch that. So check it out. Keep doing your thing, Jason. Keep it going. And then our last email today, uh, Joe, is from our friend, Wes Hampton. Subject line, Fast Five, what up, fam?
1: What up, Wes? How are you doing, buddy?
0: Says, wow, that... Okay, so here, okay. This relieves me. I mean, I know that Wes is not exactly the right... He's either the perfect case study for what we're doing or the worst case (laughs) study because he's either arguably our biggest supporter our biggest fan biggest listener whatever yeah. but that also might just mean that he's in the bag i mean he would call us out on our bullshit but like i don't know if what we do if we make him happy if that's gonna make everybody happy or if it's you know if he's the hardest to please or the easiest yeah the, you easiest, know I mean? like, I the can't... easiest
1: critic or the hardest critic we don't know
0: exactly yeah but he says because i was worried the point i was making is that i'm worried i was worried not really worried but like we put out a three-hour episode about fast five i was like it's kind of a fucking long episode like are, are people really gonna listen long. whatever yeah but here's what west says he says wow that fast five episode is basically the holy grail of what i want in an episode i love hearing all different takes on the series but every once in a while it's great to hear someone come in with a deep dive into their theories and interpretations i just have a few comments this week
1: cool glad he liked roxana man that's awesome
0: he says i think roxana hit the nail on the head with her explanation on whether brian's a good cop or not brian has all the skills but he's at war with his nature because in his soul, he knows that he's not where he should be. And it makes him make mistakes.
1: Yeah, that's the conclusion. I think that's the balance that we've come to with West too. It's not that he's bad at cop things. He has all the skills. He can fundamentally do all of the things that were required of a police officer. But in the end, he doesn't accomplish the real goal of being a police officer, which is arresting criminals. So, therefore, he's not a good cop.
0: Just like that lit song... Not the adjective <laughs> lit, but just the band lit. He's his own worst enemy. He is his own worst enemy. He definitely Every is. Every now I and then he song. kicks the living shit out of him. He says, Five Guys is good, but the best part is if you order to go and you order one small fry and they fill a little paper fry boat and stick it in the bag and then they just fully throw another scoop of fries into the bag on top of everything. It's yep. ridiculous and I find it very funny, plus free fries well. So they do that whether you're there or to go. I mean, I think they have always throw it in the bag, at least up here. Yeah. Never order medium fries from Five Guys. Always because nope. like small is always more than enough. They do the little so, little boat and then they just dump it in and then they just, you know, they send you on your way.
1: One of my favorite places in Pittsburgh is called the Original Hot Dog Shop. It's pretty much on Pitt's okay. campus. It's not far from where I grew up. I think I've actually taken you to the Original Hot Dog Shop. Maybe? The thing is is like you order hot dogs on one counter, you order french fries from another. You would remember it if I took you
0: there. Maybe I don't think ooh no, I don't think so.
1: The thing is like everybody comes in and like even back in the day, like a large fry at the original hot dog shop was like seven fifty, and okay. everybody would be like, "Holy fuck! Like seven dollars for or for an order of fries? Like this is insane!" But what they would do is take like the largest French fry boat, you know what I mean, like the very very largest one. Yep. They would fill that with fries and then dump it over top of the smallest one, and that was like one small order. For like four fifty, so like if you got a large one, it was like three or four of those gigantic <laughs> things. So like all of these, like the joke was that nobody ever orders a a large at the original hot dog shop unless it's your first time at the original hot dog shop, because then right. you'd be like, oh, I need a large fry, and it's like, no, a large fry is for like a family of twelve. You really want a small fry, which is for like two to four people. That's what. That always reminds me of, like, bringing up five guys doing that. Like, the original hot dog shop used to do the exact same thing. Like, you would get, like, a tray with, like, full of fries for a small.
0: I love it. There's a place near me that's kind of like Katz's that I have not gone to. I feel like this quarantine is making me put into perspective, like, all the things that I kind of took for granted. Yeah. Places I didn't go for eat, like, to go to eat, you know, like, culture I didn't take in, all this different stuff. Like, I think all the money that I'm saving by just not going out to eat and not doing anything, now I'm going to probably stupidly spend on other things, but I'm going to make up for lost time whenever it's safe to go outside. Anyway, yes. there's a place near-ish me that's like Katz's where, like, a sandwich is 25 or 30 or $35, but, like... It's enough for two people to have two meals from. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things where like, why? Who would ever spend thirty dollars on a sandwich? It's like, oh well, it's not really. It's not a sandwich. Like it's it's a pound of meat. Like it's it's a different thing. At least a pound. Katz's is just yeah. like
1: two pounds. It's like so fucking huge. A pastrami sandwich at Katz's is twenty five bucks, and you're like twenty five dollars, and then you're like halfway through like one, and you're like, that's a twenty five dollar sandwich if I've ever seen one. That's precisely what yep. that is. Yeah.
0: Wes says, the cliff jump after the train set piece in Fast Five is my favorite stunt in the entire series, which I think is what you said was your favorite stunt in the movie, I think, right? Yeah. I think? Definitely. Says it just looks and feels so cool. The slow mo and the mm-hmm. audio really imparts a sense of weightlessness.
1: It does. I agree.
0: Shitty call, (laughs) O'Connor. I've never thought too much about it, but I've always imagined they all lived at 1327 together, starting from the first movie. Figured in the first one, it was like the car world version of a punk house where Dom owned it and the whole crew was just sort of squatting there. Then when they got back to LA, they were so thrilled to be back in the States that they all just lived in the house together again.
1: Well, yeah, because we see Mia get the mail and Brian's, she's like there with the kid and we never see Brian at a different place. So it's strange to think that that's not a huge house, right?
0: Wouldn't it be funny if he was still sleeping at Harry's?
1: <laughs> no, like, when he pisses Dom Mia off, he definitely gets sent back to the racer's edge, though, and he sleeps in the parts closet.
0: Well, what we learned from the turbocharged prelude is that he had that, like, burner house or whatever, right? Like, his oh, FBI house, right. that, like, sort of starter home, sparsely furnished, whatever, right? No, it was like... the
1: other way around. That was his real house, but he was just a bachelor. Oh. That was, like, okay. actually where his, like, his real residence was as a cop and a real person. He was actually gotcha. staying at okay. Harry's because he's undercover. You, right, because if you were a bachelor cop that's, like, trying to become a detective and you're really sleeping at, like this part yeah, you're shop. probably not home a lot you're not home a lot so you're not gonna like furnish this place like you don't give a shit right. like it needs a shower and a bed that's what you need
0: yep Wes says i tried to look up the plot of f8 or at least cypher's motivations to check my understanding but it's kind of ambiguous online this is what we we're talking about with Roxana. she's like i don't really understand we're like neither do we yeah some things say she wants to start a nuclear war some say she wants to rule the world i always thought she was basically trying to hold world governments hostage in an attempt to end war and greed or whatever, sort of a cyber-terrorist Adrian Veidt from Watchmen.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: she would save the world by threatening to destroy it. I guess what I really learned is it doesn't matter and no one even remembers. But I've also been thinking about how Hobbes and Shaw and Etion might connect to the Fast and Furious series. Yes. What if Cypher was involved in Etion's early days... Thinking that human enhancement was it was a way to rule the world and enact positive change, but she realized it wasn't leading to what she wanted. Or maybe she was ousted by whoever's the new head of Etion.
1: I think that would be a really cool plot point: Cipher facing off against Etion. You know what and I mean? And who
0: does the family? Side? The family has to side with one of them, right? No,
1: it's going to be like a tri fight. It's like the family's trying to stop both of them. Cypher's fighting Etion. Probably at the end, based on what we know, Fast and the Furious, they're going to like side with Cipher. To fight huh. E.T.
0: Like, I wonder, because, like, in my head, you know, the enemy of your enemy is my friend. Like, yes. I think that they would probably side with one of them. I do like the idea of kind of, like, a spurned developer leaving and, like, this isn't what I signed up for. and I'm going to do my own thing. And then she becomes, like, this own, you know, superpower or whatever. I like the idea of separate, like, a battle there. But I, again, think what we said with Roxanne is, like they should have set that up in Hobbs and Shaw 1 like where it's it it feels like the fact that Hobbs and Shaw felt so disconnected from the main franchise it's like we're too far down the road to be adding in connections that haven't already been established yet
1: that's the best like red herring for it that mm, they kind okay. of like took us away and they're like no it's not really a big deal definitely not cipher and then like in 10 when it finally like reconnects and like the roads merge again you're going to be like oh shit we didn't see all this stuff happening
0: cuz i guess they could well because they're not Depends on what the release it. schedule is.
1: Like, they have the idea. We just don't... We can't see it. We can't see behind the curtain yet. They could have been putting a ton of, like, Easter eggs in it that they're going to connect later.
0: Because if you figure... I mean, if they put Hobbs and Shaw 2 out before 10, which I don't think they're going to, I think there's a lot more op- options and abilities in play. But I think if it's 9 and then 10 and then 2, it's like... No, it's going to
1: they... be 9, Hobbs and Shaw 2, 10.
0: Because I think before Corona... It was nine, and then ten, and then they hadn't even announced Hobson Shaw two yet. So I don't, I don't know.
1: No, we just knew that they were making ten. It's not like they started shooting it or anything. I thought
0: they had a date because like, no, because the date that they moved nine to was going to be the original, the release date for ten.
1: Oh, you're right. And it was like a year later. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either, brother. Or maybe that was also sort of a sense of a of red herring, where like. They were going to always use that date for a different movie. Like instead of using it for nine, like they are now, yeah. they were going to put Hobbs and Shaw. I don't, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? I don't know either. Wes says this is a little bit of knowing too much about the filmmaking process, but the fact that they wanted to get a celeb like Keanu in the role of the director, but couldn't, and that's why they didn't reveal the person Hobbs and Shaw to me means that Cypher was never intended to be the voice, even if she ends up being the voice down the road. So whatever happens, I doubt it's thought out very far in advance, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it means the plot going forward may be unknowable at this point.
1: That's a fair point. That's pretty good evidence, like you're saying. But we also don't know if them trying to get Keanu was real. True. Like, we have no, like, actual, like, Vin never came out and said, like, oh, we tried to get Keanu for The Voice, and, like, we couldn't. So, like, that could just be a rumor, too.
0: Whether they plan far in advance, whether they don't plan far in advance, whether what we hear, like, we talked about a couple times recently about Michelle Rodriguez saying there's no, there's not going to be justice for Han, shut your mouth, or whatever. Like, we don't know if they're able to tell a good story, whether it's planned out or not, whether it's what they intended or not, whether it's what we're told or not. As long as it's good. I don't mind. Yeah, same. So that's it for this week. I look forward to My Cousin Vinny. I just saw it for the first time a few years ago, and I really loved it. I'm excited to hear Joe, too, talk about Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Until next time, stay furious, West. And I gotta say, Joe, I think Rachel could listen to that. Not that she's going to. Not that But Rachel's going, going to. She could listen to that episode because you did not overly gush about, you know, how attractive you find Marissa Tomei.
1: There's few women that are banned in my house, right? Ariana Grande, Kelly Rowland, and Marissa Tomei is quickly climbing up the list of women that I'm not allowed to talk about in my house.
0: I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer's probably at, you know, if she was a little bit more in the in the in the zeitgeist, she might be climbing up it too, but I feel like
1: nah, she's she I like Michelle Pfeiffer a lot,
0: but like Miss Baltimore Crabs?
1: She looks more like Rachel than the other three.
0: That's why I think it would be like more of an instant ban. <laughs> Rachel just said, "Is that a bad thing?" and took her headphones off. <laughs> Well, I think that's the end of that conversation. Well, thank you all for for writing in (laughs) family at cageclub.me. If you have anything else you want to say, uh, we'd be happy to hear it. On the streets, two bits of news. One that's actually news and one that's maybe not news. Who knows? The maybe not news, what we posted. And I would love if it's real or not.
1: Jason sent it to us first. Yeah.
0: There's a rumor from... We got this covered, which is, again, like in there, they're like, we heard from our tipster who did this and who did like all this different stuff that is right, that they are talking to Gal Gadot about returning as Giselle in 10. Um, We don't know if that's going to be a flashback. We don't know what that would be. We don't know if that's true or not obviously we would love Giselle, but I was saying to you that remember we were talking about Giselle coming back with Roxana, Yes. And, like, um, and she was talking about how the ultimate gut punch, we're talking about characters who could die, like, if they bring Han back and kill him. And I was like, imagine if they bring Giselle back and then she comes back like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Like, she walks in and sees Han dead in front of her. And it's like, they can't even be together then. Like, it would be Oof. so cruel. I know. I don't think that they would. I mean, who knows? But just... Fan service. My fan service theory, I don't Giselle. think they do it they can't do it yeah yeah because i think they have to balance to a certain extent you know like avengers like marvel like MCU. you need to make people leave happy but you also want death to mean something and i don't know it's a difficult it's a difficult thing yeah so that was number one and then number two yesterday i think as we're recording this like last week as you're hearing this Peacock launched NBC's new streaming service. Mm. So, Joe, as a Comcast subscriber, although I don't know, I mean, I think, I think you need the, the X1 box, which I don't think you have. I don't know. Um, you don't have TV through them. No. They rolled out a, a test, like a, a free preview test for Comcast Xfinity subscribers. But the important thing, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I read a, a press release that says, and I don't know what's on there because I don't have access to it because I have Fios, but yeah. the Fast and the Furious movies are on Peacock.
1: Oh, very cool. To some extent. They're very cool, though.
0: I think Peacock is going to start at like $5 a month or $10 a month, I think, with or without ads. So if you're looking for one place to stream all the, in theory, all the Fast and Furious movies for a low cost, plus... You know, like Thirty Rock and The Office and whatever. Yeah. Like you could do worse than Peacock. I didn't even think about that element of it, but NBC Universal. Yeah. Distributed all the Fast and Furious movies.
1: It's weird because when we went to Universal Studios, remember we talked about this? They had like the NBC kind of like outside booth or whatever. It's like they have like the NBC restaurant or something. And I was like, why the fuck is NBC here? And it's like, oh yeah, it's NBC Universal. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, and they're all just owned by Comcast. So yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And that's all the news. Is there any other news that you have found that you have seen since we last recorded?
1: No, I wanted to talk about the hopefully Giselles in 10. That's it.
0: I'm looking now on Google News for Rock the Vote if Dwayne Johnson is running for president. So far, no new news for the Rock president, and Dwayne Johnson president has nothing. Dwayne Johnson stresses importance of maintaining mental health amid pandemic. That's from six days ago, but not about being president.
1: That's very cool. My boss actually was talking about this today. He had a call with everyone in our section, and that was like his main focus of today's call much much like The Rock he cares about our mental health
0: well thank you to the to your boss thank you to Mr. The Rock and that's all we got for Rock to vote he is still currently as of Thursday April 16th 7.03pm eastern <sharp inhale> daylight time not running for president
1: no he's not
0: Joe the Fast and Furious minute, minute 51 a minute I just I I, titled, I don't know if this is a great title or not but I think it's uh, it defines this minute trans wings east perfect what Dominic, there's no engines. So in this minute, Dom, Brian, and Vince are driven to Johnny Tran's garage by Jesse, and then Dom, Brian, and Vince sneak into Johnny Tran's garage and begin snooping around. Yes. So Joe, first things first, do you like Trans Wings East as the name, or do you have a better name, a different name?
1: Honestly, now I'm trying to think that maybe that should be the question.
0: So I have a different... What was the question I put in here? I
1: added a question as well.
0: Okay, okay. I think
1: that the minute my... Should might be called, Yo, Dom, There's No Engines. And okay. the question should be, what's Tran's thing called? But we'll we'll, we'll circle back that. to that. Okay.
0: So this is a very important minute to sort of set the groundwork for, like you were saying to me on Facebook, like the next handful of minutes. Like this is the beginning of a next phase in the, yes. in the movie, right? Like yep. where Brian, at least temporarily, has calmed Dom and Vince from being on his tail. And they're like, hey, let's go check out Johnny Tran's. And they get there and like, things are weird.
1: It's actually just a strange situation. I think we've talked about this before too. Dom catches Brian snooping in Hector's and his first reaction is like, let's go get Jesse and like Snoop and Johnny trans. That's not, that doesn't seem like the natural progression of this.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like, okay. So let's think about this for a second.
1: We, we miss a scene. We miss a part of this.
0: Well, so you find your friend yes. who you think is your friend yeah. snooping around your other friend's garage yeah, and you say, well, what are you doing? And he says, I can't lose another race. Hector just came in and placed this whole big order. Yeah. This is, I wanted to see what's going on. Yeah. And then Dom says, let's take a ride. And then they go to Johnny Tran's, but like Brian doesn't mention Johnny Tran.
1: No, he says, I'll, I'll check every, he's like, what are you going to do? Check every garage. And he's like, I'll, if I have to, you know, I can't lose again.
0: It's almost like Dom internalizes, like, I guess this is what we're doing now. And it's just like, okay, let's go. Like I'm most curious now in Johnny Tran. He's my biggest competitor or whatever uh since we're now just all breaking into each other's garage let's do this but it still doesn't feel it's weird it's weird
1: it is weird he doesn't suss it out anymore his real best friend is like this guy is a cop and instead of you believing your real best friend you're like oh let's go break into a different garage and keep doing this strange story writing but hey that's how it goes
0: so we were last here we weren't inside but we were last in this
1: we were in the same place yeah
0: parking lot in minutes 28 through 30 i want to know is there a trans wings west do we think that they have franchise? I,
1: I that's what i was wondering too north trans wings south he seems like mm-hmm. he has a lot of money he might have a different he might have another one right and if you call one east that means he had to have like a trans wings west ascent like first or and just then, a trans wings. And then they have, that's what I mean, yeah, a trans yeah. wings first, and then he. Be, this became trans wings ease.
0: I also made note, and I'm sure you saw it too, that when Jesse... So the big thing is, like, Jesse drives him there, because I think that's an interesting trivia question, because, like, I don't know the people... Because he's only on, in frame for, like, two or three seconds. Like, he, you know, we see his car, right? But, like... Yeah. I guess Jesse must have been with them, because it's also weird, like, okay, because we're trying to figure out, last minute, how long Vince had been telling Brian where Dom was hanging out, how they got to this alley, where they are in the alley. Mm-hmm. Is Jesse also there just in the car around the
1: corner? You're right. Jesse might have been driving the whole time.
0: It's just weird. But, like, Jesse, when he drops them off there in the middle of the night, looks so terrified. Knowing what's coming, it's like he knows what's coming. Like, this is going yeah. to end poorly for him. But, like, I don't know why Jesse's involved now. It feels like it feels like they try to, like, baby Jesse, like, in good ways. And also, they drive everywhere separately to begin with. For them to get out of the backseat of a car, it's like, oh, this is weird. It's,
1: it feels strange.
0: There's, there's obviously... Scenes where like there's passengers like in the heist and stuff. There's like you know, somebody in Dom, the passenger seat Dom getting away. You know, right, Brian. In, in six when they're passing Ramsey from car to car. Yeah, you know there's all these different moments where there's more than one in the car. But like to have them in the back seat is like oh this is this is strange. And I get like if they're undercover they don't want to have four cars roll deep or whatever. To Johnny, Trance, they don't want to yeah. have one that says the Racer's Edge. Yeah, but like. I don't know.
1: It's not like Jesse's car is very inconspicuous, though, bud.
0: They should be driving a Civic. Like, just a regular Civic. Like, that's what they need at all times.
1: Yeah, a black Civic. Like, just one.
0: I feel like this is a part of the movie where for the first time in a while, maybe the first time all movie, I wonder if there's more to the original screenplay that they cut out. Because it feels like that we're missing, like, to your point, like, we're missing scenes. It feels like we're missing moments of just, like... And it might just be logistical stuff, but, like, it feels like there's logical jumps that we're missing, and I, I don't know why we wind up where we wind up when we wind up
1: yeah with Jesse driving filling in the blanks in my head the thing that would make the most sense was Jesse was driving them up to Hector's they were probably tailing Brian from the (laughs) jump they catch him breaking into Hector's they confront him they're like oh shit that might be a good idea they throw him in the back of the car with Jesse's driving you know because they're like taking one car to be inconspicuous. not very but as much as they can be to follow brian and then from there they just go straight to johnny trans to try to figure out his stuff like you know like let's keep this party going if we already broke into right. one garage tonight might as well make it two.
0: i can see that happening
1: yeah i think that that's the most logical explanation
0: and then my only other note and this is not really a note but if you if you watch them as they sneak into johnny's garage vince and don both have these like gigantic mag light flashlights like these yes. huge flashlights and brian's is like real little and i'm like is that a dick joke like is that like a subtle like look at brian with his like little flashlight and these two other men like just you either compensating you know what i mean like they have like or killer it's really flashlights. funny
1: that like cops carry maglite flashlights and brian's the only one without a cop flashlight yeah like that stand you issue
0: that was pretty much all that i noticed you know that i made note of because a lot of this stuff that's in the garage once they get there and you know the, the Jesse, jesse's car and everything like that that uh, is more in your wheelhouse so what did you notice this minute minute 51
1: I got Jesse's license plate this time. It's 4VTQ952. Okay. So that was good. I I like that. And the other thing, like the main thing besides other stuff that I have in the notes, when they're on top of the roof, they pass a sign (laughs) that says there's like two lit up buildings behind them. And one of them says honey baked. And I wonder if they're next to a honey baked ham store. Mm. Possibly Johnny Tran's automotive wings. East is next to a honey-baked ham store. The roof of it. I mean, what else
0: could honey-baked even refer to? That's what what I'm
1: saying. You can't make out the hams, but I definitely got the word honey-baked. That's what I was laughing about. I thought that was really amusing to me, that they're just, like, a honey-baked ham store behind them. That's, like, lit while they're shooting the movie
0: so that you see it. Anything else that you noticed?
1: I transcribed the Korean under Johnny Tran. Tran's wings east to the best of my American transcription I could without all of the Umlauts or whatever the Korean version of umlauts are. So, mm-hmm. so I got that and, uh, signs and stuff, but no, that, that was, that was the main thing that I focused on. Honey Baked Hams got me.
0: So then for the minute, this is going to determine the trivia question, also the name of the minute. So the questions that we have written down here, I guess there's three, right? So we talked about for the yeah. minute name. What is the name of Johnny Tran's garage? Yeah. We also could do what I wrote down was how to Dom, Brian, and Vince get to his garage, get to Johnny Trans' garage, sweep around, and then you wrote down what's strange about the cars in Johnny Trans' garage.
1: Mine might be a little easy, you know what I mean? The no engines, because it becomes a major plot point for like the the next three minutes. So I like between yours and what the name of Johnny Trans is.
0: I don't really have a preference between these two. I think that they could both be good questions. I think, like, I like my question as a question. So let's do both. Well, then what would we name the minute?
1: There's no engines, Dom. That's the only one that we didn't have.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Okay, yeah. So the name of the minute is Yo, Dominic. There's no engines. So how do Dom, Brian, and Vince get to Johnny Tran's garage to snoop around? We just say Dom drives them, Brian drives them, Vince drives them.
1: Take a taxi. <laughs> No, make one take a taxi. Vince wouldn't have driven them. It would have been Dom driving, Brian driving.
0: And then what is the name of Johnny Tran's garage? We could just say... uh, It's
1: Johnny Tran Precision Automotive.
0: How about JT? Precision Automotive. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh, man. How do we... And then it's, it's Trans Wings East, Trans Wings West. Trans Wings, Trans Wings East. And I want to do like uh, like what's Elgato Negro, but like I don't know how to do that in
1: oh in Korean. Please translate the black cat into Korean and see what okay, it says. Translate.google.com. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that's so good.
0: Oh boy. Okay. This is
1: okay. Is it super long? <laughs> <Is you> Paste <laughs> no? it. No,
0: I just don't know how to Gilmyun Goyangi.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Homan goyengi Okay. The bottom thing is just a pronunciation. So okay. <laughs>
1: Oh god, it's so good. That's so good.
0: So, how do Dom, Brian, and Vince get to Johnny Trans Garage? Snoop around. Jesse drives them. And what's the name of Johnny Trans Garage? Trans Wings East.
1: Should it be Trans Wings or Trans Wings West and Trans Wings East.
0: We could just do it. I mean, we we could do a Trans Wings West. We could do a fourth, a fifth one.
1: Yeah, that that works.
0: That makes it really. We hard. could also say, "What's the name of Johnny Trans Garage?" That Dom Brian. And Vince break into because like like I want to word it in a way that like it's defensible in a court of law that I don't have a a Vincent Gambini like didn't you know that he actually has this other garage that you just don't see? like (laughs) wouldn't it be possible? But yeah,
1: but that but that plays into like Wes's theory that like you definitely don't see that in the movie. Like it's clearly not the answer.
0: Just want to make sure that you know it's it's defensible in a court of law that the defense is not wrong there so let's take a quick break let's hear another word from dodge let's go hit the road and talk about vanishing point
1: Episode number eighty four, Vanishing Point. This episode is brought to you by the Dodge Challenger RT Scat Pack has the best in class horsepower for under forty thousand dollars, and the Dodge Challenger features the best in class cargo volume. Thank you, Dodge.
0: Thank you indeed, Dodge. Well, Vanishing Point, Joe, this is a movie that I had seen. So I think what happened was you've back seen it. In, yeah, I saw it back in twenty ten. When did Grindhouse come out?
1: No, it was earlier than that.
0: 20, 2007 seven, two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. In two thousand seven, when Grindhouse came out, they referenced this movie, and I think it was sometime in college I watched this movie, and I hadn't seen it since then. But I remember the ending because the ending is like, whoa, where'd that come from? Yes. And I remember that it was mostly just like almost entirely a chase movie, especially considering the movie that we're going to talk about on Friday, Death Proof. And like, I loved Grindhouse, and I loved Death Proof. It's kind of like you know when your your favorite band has a favorite band, you go find you go listen to them and see what the, you know where their inspiration comes from or what Whatever, yep. like the movies and the music and whatever that your favorite filmmakers like, go find that. And so this feels like exactly the kind of movie that uh, Quentin Tarantino would love and that he would want to pay homage to with his Grindhouse movie. Yes. But you had never seen this before. So what did you think of Vanishing Point?
1: I don't know what to think about this movie yet. Okay. Okay. Because we, I need to talk through some things. I enjoyed that it was a car chase movie. I think the Challenger is so fucking cool in this movie. And that's the point of the movie. I really like that. But like plot wise, movie wise, I need to talk through some things with you.
0: Yeah. So the plot of the movie is that we follow this guy named Kowalski, who is a disgraced or at least a former cop police officer and a former race car driver and sort of a dirt bike driver and whatever. Shout out Shannon Tatum, Rowdy Spark, and Supercross.
1: (laughs) It's exactly what I was going with that. Psych. I was going to say a disgraced police officer. I mean, come on. Yeah. For sure. Very Brian. And
0: also, so there's very Brian. And also he, we flashback to his girlfriend who died in a surfing accident. So shout out to Point Break, the original. She dies in the surfing accident? Yeah. I
1: don't, see, I kept getting like lost in the film. Go ahead. So there's
0: two things that happen there. So they go to the the beach, and we see them together. She rolls a
1: joint, and he's like, no, because I'm a cop.
0: And she's like, I want to do one more run. He's like, go ahead. And then we see the surfboard float back to the sand, and she's not there. And then, toward the end of the movie, when they print up his picture in the paper, they talk about how his girlfriend died (sighs) in a tragic surfing accident.
1: Ah, see, these are the kind of things I needed to talk to you about. Okay, I never connected the dots on that.
0: We basically learn through his backstory, Flashbacks. sort of who he is. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. But most of the movie is just him. Like he is a car delivery driver who, at the beginning of the movie, finishes a delivery. Actually, so the movie starts at the end, kind of, when we see like a roadblock, and then we go back and we see that yes. he finishes a delivery. He delivers a car to a garage in Denver. Guys, like, why don't you take the night off? I got another job for you. We can start in the morning. He's like, No, I want to start now. And so he's got a job that he wants to bring a Dodge Challenger, the 70 Dodge Challenger from RT. Denver. Actually, hold on. I want to get, I can make sure I get it right because it is the, the star of the movie. 1970 Dodge Challenger RT with a 440 cubic inch V8, not a 426 Hemi V8, as is often believed. Mm. So the plot of the movie is that he's, the plot as much as it exists, is that he's to deliver that from... Denver to California by Monday. So from Friday night to Monday. Yeah. But then he swings by his local, basically like the drive-in from Hollywood Nights. Yes. And he gets yeah. his, his drug dealer. And he's like, hey, I need some bennies. And the guy bets him. Well,
1: he bets the guy.
0: He bets the guy. He's like, I can get to San Francisco by Sunday at 3.
1: Yeah, he's like, I am I need to get this car there by Monday. And he's like, you'll never make it. And he's like, I bet you I'll get there by Sunday at 3.
0: And I think they're basically saying, like, you know, either like he's going to pay double for the drugs or, like, I'll get the drugs for free or whatever, right?
1: Yeah, he's like, I'll pay you twice for him when I come back if you don't get a call from me, right? Doesn't he say you call him from San Francisco?
0: Yeah. The movie is just him driving the car to San Francisco and basically eluding cops. And he becomes a story of either national attention or at least local attention on the radio and in the newspaper as this radio DJ, the Super Soul Man, sort mm-hmm. of speaks to him through the radio and kind of guides him through. In the end, when he finally gets to San Francisco, or actually, no, to Cisco. Like, it's a city in, in California. And so yes. he, you know, he travels through Colorado and then through Nevada and then through California. And he gets to a city named Cisco. It's essentially the beginning of the movie that we see him, like, pull his U-turn, like when he sees the roadblock. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, he just drives directly into the roadblock. His car explodes and he dies. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So my big question to you is, did you see that ending coming?
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I was fucking floored. To be honest, that ending gave me more questions than answers.
0: What's crazy about old movies, especially like this, is that I'm looking... So the, there's two different cuts of this movie. There's a 99-minute cut and there's a 106-minute cut. And I'm not exactly sure what the difference is, but... I
1: watched the long one.
0: With, there's like, with like four or five minutes left... They're still, like, setting up the roadblock. And you're like... And, like, I knew what was... I knew what the ending was. And I'm like, how the hell do we get from here to where we get? And, like, basically...
1: I kept, like, looking yesterday... And, you know, I'm getting swamped with work emails and stuff like that. So, like, I was watching the end of the movie. I see the end of the movie, and I'm like, how the fuck did we get there? So, like, I rewind the movie Mm -hmm. and get, like, another email, and I'm like, and I'm going back, and I'm I'm like, you know, like, you get all the shots of the people at the end. So, I'm, like, seeing, like, the people's faces and stuff like that and, like, the roadblock set up, and I still was like, and, and, like, I watched it again, I was like, Rachel, wait a minute, I need to rewind this movie, like, two, like, one more time, and, like, I watch it again, and I'm like, yeah. It just fucking, right to the end, like, you're, you're setting up the roadblock, you see these people's faces, then boom, he just drives into them. I was hoping that there was, like, some hidden thing that I missed. Nope. But no
0: What makes the ending, I think, confusing, possibly, is that the beginning we see is essentially the end, where we see the same, like, the two That's bulldozers fair. or whatever. Yeah, that And doesn't we seem see confusing. in the beginning, the challenger pull up to it and, like, hook a hard U-turn and yeah. kind of drive off into the desert, and it looks like he's thinking about, like, what to do next, right? Yeah, like, like getting like, away, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But then in the end, he just sees that and just doesn't even break, he might even accelerate and just drives right into it, Mm -hmm. fire explosion, and then literally the closing credits are over him, over them, like, picking apart the flaming wreckage.
1: It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like
1: such a weird... So what does this ending mean to you? This is what I need to talk about with you.
0: There's no reason for you to catch it because it's so... Kind of like an offhanded thing in the beginning, but like in that opening scene when the delivery guy or the garage owner or whatever is talking to Kowalski, he's like, "You're going to kill yourself one day." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know, I know." He okay. is going to not no nobody knows like in two days, but I think it's just like I don't know if he's at peace with himself. I don't know if he's like I have distraught. a
1: different I have a different thought process on this mm-hmm. as somebody that's been on a lot of benders. The last shot is him drenched in sweat he had just picked up a whole bunch more speed from the guy that's like the hippie guy with the motorcycle
0: and the fully nude woman the entire scene
1: fully nude woman the entire scene riding motorcycle
0: they're only seen in the movie she's naked the entire time
1: i think that he is at the tail end of the bender and is just like lost cohesion with reality
0: he looks like he's smiling right he is smiling
1: he is because he's delusional and he's lost connection with reality.
0: Because I think what the what the flashbacks go to show is that this guy has lived a rough life. Like, he was a cop, and his partner was, like, this grubby, you know, like, getting his hands all... Like, basically, we see him in the front seat, kind of good cop, bad cop, sort of. But the cop in the back seat's trying to get, you know, information out of a witness, being, like, really handsy with her. And then, like, he rips her shirt open, and he starts, like, yeah, he's you like, know, caressing her. her yeah. And, yeah, and, like... You know, Kowalski goes back and like basically puts the guy like in an arm lock, an arm bar, and tells the girl to get out of here. Probably got kicked off the force for that. And you see his girlfriend die, and all this like you know, and he, you know, they's, they show all these crashes that he's had. And I feel like while he's lived a full life, he's lived a tough life. And I think, I guess, the bigger question is when did he decide? Yeah. he was going to kill himself. Like whether it's spur of the moment, but he turned or...
1: around, but so he didn't think of this at first. So it's between the point that he makes the
0: U-turn. Well, when did he turn around?
1: We see him see the roadblock and then make a U-turn.
0: But that's in the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. I don't think that's what happened, though. I don't know. Okay, so you're
1: saying you think that the first, very first scene is disconnected between... No, he's driving the Challenger in it. So when he makes the U-turn, so he's driving the Challenger in it, and he doesn't get the Challenger until he gets back to Detroit and he's driving it to San Francisco. So he's not driving the Challenger both ways.
0: No, correct. He drives, he's driving some, I don't know, again, this is not helpful. He's driving some black car and then he gets the white Dodge Challenger.
1: So then we know that the U-turn he makes at the beginning is in the Challenger, which means it is at the end of the movie.
0: Well, I think it's one of two things in the beginning. Either it's something that doesn't actually happen in the end, because we don't see it again at the end. No. So either that happened, and then he turns around, he goes in the desert to think, and then he drives straight into it, or that's, like, some alternate reality. Like, we just – it gets sort of setting up what you think. Like, so Mike and I talk a lot about this on the different podcasts that we do. Like, I hate when a movie starts in the middle of a climax – and then we build back up there because it's like well you just like we know we're getting there you spoiled it but i feel like this one does
1: it really well
0: well because it's like i'm gonna show you one thing but it's not actually what i'm gonna what we're what we're doing it's like you see him whatever but then like at the end you're like you're bracing yourself i think for like okay he's gonna turn around there's gonna be a moment to think and then like no he just he rams it and he kills himself it's just like what
1: yeah it definitely takes you in a different direction that's for sure and why couldn't he just drive he's he's definitely determined to kill himself like it's a thousand oh for sure yeah because like he had just driven around this we saw him drive through the desert the whole time Mm -hmm. and like all of these type of things but like he drives straight into this fucker
0: going back to my point like it depends on when he decided to do this because when he picks up the second round of drugs from the hippie yes and there's the beautiful blonde woman who's naked the entire time and she's like
1: but she knows him too by the way yeah
0: and she's like is there anything i can help you with he's like no i'm good and she's like, you, "There's really there's nothing like you don't you don't fancy me." He's like, "He's like, no, I do, but you know, I'm just that's not you know that's not what I'm, that's not what's on my mind right now." And it feels like in that moment, oh, he had realized at that time that like he's done, like he's just like, no, I'm I'm good, like I have I know exactly how I'm gonna spend the rest of my life, which is the next two and a half hours. Don't or you whatever, think he would have
1: right? been like, I'm gonna spend at least twenty minutes of that rest of my life two hours with her?
0: I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I could see that also as a possibility. But if I, also I was feel like, like, I'm out,
1: just, and she's like, hey, dude, you want to do this? I'd be like, it's a good way to go.
0: Like, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that he's so dedicated to the mission at hand. It feels like for a while, he's afraid to even break He's he's not in so much of a rush that he has to be doing what he's doing. Like he's going crazy trying to like cut off, like shave off seconds here and there, right? He's like instead of just breaking and letting a car go ahead or whatever, he's swerving to the other lane. And I feel like maybe, and this is all just conjecture because I think the movie intentionally, for a whole bunch of different reasons, doesn't tell you anything. Yes, I think that he probably you could see like he feels guilty having stopped to pick up drugs. And I don't think he wants to spend even more time, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever, sleeping with his woman because he already feels bad that, like, I need to get to San Francisco. I need to, I need to complete the contract.
1: Yeah, but he's already waiting for this guy. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Because it doesn't seem like he's enjoying anything, right? Like, he's like, he, no, he doesn't seem to be fucking... having fun with life. He's a drug addict. and He's, you know, he's lost everything he cares about.
1: I don't even think that he's really an addict. I think that he's just, like, he's using speed to get there. Like, there's a difference, like, he doesn't seem like he's craving drugs, right? His motivations aren't the drugs, so I don't think that he's acting with addict tendencies in this film.
0: I mean, he's addicted to something. Like, the rush. a normal behavior, exactly, yeah, like, a normal behavior is not, let me drop off a car at, like, 8 o'clock on a Friday night and then start a crazy long drive or whatever yeah. immediately, like, why don't I go home and rest? Like, basically what the what the garage guy says is, like, It doesn't need to be there on Monday, this is not a crazy drive, you know, just go rest. And he's like, no, I gotta do this. Yeah. So he's either missing something or he's addicted to something. Like, he's either, like, he's pining for something or trying to fill the hole for something else.
1: But I also think this just plays into, like, this is, like, such a weird movie for me to watch that it's just, like, such a movie about taking too much speed, right? Like, he, like, just shot his dopamine receptors, like, his brain is just fried. He's, like, getting the rush from the car when he's not getting it from taking drugs, and he's getting it from drugs when he's not getting it from the car anymore. He just, like, finally burns out at the end and is just like, okay, I, like, instead of sleeping, this is what I'm going to do. And just, off. Yeah. It's strange for me to watch. I actually, so, did you like this film?
0: I do. I think that there's, it's not my favorite movie that we have watched this lap. I think that it's difficult to watch for a different, couple different reasons. But I think that there's really something beautiful about how simple the movie is. The fact that there's like basically no plot, it's just a guy needs to bring a car from one city to another, and we really don't know much about him. Like We're not told his name until like 10 minutes in. Nah. There's a really funny thing where like they get the facts, which is also very Fast and Furious. They're like, okay, his name is Kowalski, his Christian name is, and then they like cut right away. Like They're intentionally keeping us from getting yep. to know this guy. And I yep. think there's something really, really interesting about following a character for the entire movie and never really knowing anything about him other than, like, the brief glimpses we get in the flashbacks. And even those might not necessarily be true.
1: Yeah, they're just his memories. I think that that's a good point. I, I like that you said that. I really enjoyed the simplicity of this movie, too, in the sense that we really don't get movies like this anymore. where it's just, like, a movie that's just cool, right? The main part of this movie is it's just a really long car chase. We don't really need to know who the driver is, very much, we don't really need to know the other characters, this movie is just going to be fucking awesome, and that's what we're trying to do, and like, I I enjoy that part of it, we don't, we don't get a lot of movies that have such a brevity of plot, Intentionally like this anymore.
0: So here's a little bit of backstory on this movie. I don't know if this is going to help or not. I don't know if this okay. is actually useful or not in learning what the movie's about or how to interpret it, but it's based on two actual events. The disgraced career of a San Diego police officer in the high, per- high speed pursuit of a man who refused to stop and was killed. And he crashed into a uh, police roadblock. Okay. So it's based on true sto- true stories, true events, whatever. Kind of two separate things that all come into one. Okay. You know the script is based on the counterculture lifestyle at the time, elements of rebellion, drugs, sexual freedom, and rock- freedom, and rock and roll. Yep. It does feel like he's actively rebelling against a lot of things.
1: The cops won for sure.
0: Societal norms, all that sort of yeah. stuff. But I don't. I don't know if that actually helps. I think I think what's nice about this movie is that a lot of it is subjective and open to interpretation, and that might be frustrating to some people. But I think that there's like it's it's very unique. It's special. It feels airy. It feels
1: airy in the sense that there's a lot of space. For you mm-hmm. to breathe in, you know what I mean. Like, you you have a lot of different things you can pick up from this film. A lot of different interpretations you can make, which I liked. That's cool too.
0: They had planned for sixty days of shooting, but then because of budgetary issues and whatever, they had to cut it down to twenty two days. And so instead of altering and like sort of trying to do things quickly, they're like, we're just not going to do certain things. So I wonder if at one, if at any point there was more of a story here, or if they just decided like, no, this is we're just going to. We're going to make lemonade out of lemons. We can't, we can only shoot for a third of the time. Let's just make this look cool. Let's yeah. give enough of the backstory that people can interpret and sort of, you know, get their own story going and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I don't think that it would benefited from a more structured plot, to be honest.
0: No, I think that this movie works. I think this movie is interesting because it's open to interpretation. I think if you, if we knew explicitly why he did the things he did, it'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like it, it might still resonate, but it's still, it, it would be less interesting, I think. So so here is, here's what the Wikipedia says about the ending. The ending and implicitly the theme of the film has been the source of much debate, including one interpretation that the entire movie is a post-death flashback after the car crashes into the bulldozers. Uh. The viewers left guessing why Kowalski insists on driving to San Francisco immediately and then drives heedlessly across four states to his death. Kowalski says only, I gotta be in Frisco three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. When Jake scoffs that Kowalski's putting him on, Kowalski says, I wish to God I was. Barry Newman, the guy who played Kowalski, offered mm-hmm. his interpretation, says Kowalski smiles as he rushes to his death at the end because he believes he will make it through the roadblock. An issue from 2006 of Motor Trend has a sidebar with Newman in which he explains that Kowalski sees the light glinting from between the two bulldozers. Uh... To Kowalski, quote, it was still a hole to escape through. It symbolized that no matter how far they push or chase you, no one can truly take away your freedom, and there was always an escape. Newman also thought the entire film was an essay on existentialism. Kowalski drives to drive with no real purpose for doing what he's doing. He decides to give his life its definition and meaning with complete freedom over his actions. The director explained that he wanted to make Kowalski appear otherworldly, that the fil- the world within the film was a temporary existence that he was just making a stop in. and in end of the film, he was ascending from this existence into another. The lyrics of the end song underscore this interpretation, quote, nobody knows, nobody sees till the light of life stops burning till another soul goes free.
1: Those are really cool interpretations freedom does ring through this film a lot they are chasing freedom he's chasing freedom like from the cops from his past from everything so I can definitely see the freedom aspect a lot
0: and one other thing that's very interesting is that the end do you remember when he picks up that hitchhiker at the end who won't tell him her name played by Charlotte Rampling who's still an actor today like you've probably I don't know if you've seen movies that she's been in but she's still in like she's in a lot of things so that whole scene with her is apparently not in the US version it's only in the UK version so that might be the six minute difference in the cut because so here's what it says in wiki um he picks up a mysterious hitchhiker he accepts marijuana from her despite refusing it in several previous scenes yes he stops the car when he's feeling stoned she says she's been quote waiting for him everywhere and since forever when he awakens the next morning she's gone without a trace according to interviews with barry newman who played kowalski in commentary from the director the hitchhiker was meant to be an allegorical figure representing death This is a from the U.S. version. The guy who played Kowalski said he felt the scene gave the film, quote, an allegorical lift, but the studio was afraid the audience would not understand. So I think that was basically like a he's... Just like he's coming to accept, he's coming to terms that like this is this is going to be my end, right? Like this. I thought
1: I thought she was a delusion of grandeur. I thought that she was completely in his head.
0: Well, that also, I mean, that's also the same kind of thing. Like she, whether whether it's whether she's death or whether she's something else, you're essentially agreeing that like she's not real, right? That she's just. Yeah,
1: she seemed very wistful. She just. Coming and passing with how she's saying, how she's delivering all of her lines and what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been waiting for you here and everywhere. And like all of these things. I was like, oh, to me, this is like, you know, he's leading up to breaking, like mentally breaking. Not that she's in the sense allegorical, but like he was just like starting to lose it there.
0: Right. I think that's kind of his acceptance, right? Like that's just yeah. like where he's, where he, whatever he's accepting, whether it's peace, whether it's death, whether it's just, you know, that life is meaningless or whatever, the fact that he wakes up and there's not even, not only that she's gone, but that there's like no trace of it. Like there's basically like he can't even like all that exists is like a memory. It's just like, she means something. And yes. I feel like that's the turning point. It's, it's almost like whatever it's in his head or whatever he gleans from that conversation or whether she was real or not, that feels to be the turning point. So if that's actually after the hippie and the nude woman, like then maybe that's the moment. Like maybe that was like what sort of set him down this path or like sort of guided him there and then this is what cemented the deal. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Possibly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's uh, interesting in that regard. I think it's, I don't know if philosophical is the right word, but I think that it, there's something.
1: Existentialism is like the right way to pin this, I think.
0: In this era, you know, this is a couple years after, or a couple, right around the time, same time, I don't know if it's before, or after, like Easy Rider, like there's a lot of the like oh, yeah. counterculture sort of blending sort of two worlds that at first glance, don't appear to have much in common. Like, I think this also tracks, can sort of transition us into the fast connections. Because I was like, I don't know that Kowalski would fit in with the family at all. Like, I think that he is like- He's too so much of a lone wolf. Lone wolf, he's a mess. Like, I feel like for everybody, like, even though they're, like, they are the butt of jokes and everything, like, they all have their shit together, right? Like, he just yeah. feels like his grasp on reality is very tenuous at best.
1: He, he seems like he would be a really good, like, loose cannon uncle- for dom and mia you know what i mean like they would like look back and be like oh yeah our uncle kowalski you know just a man that wanted to be free he drove like the wind blows (laughs) you know like something along these lines like you're right though i can't see i i can't give him a place in the family because he seems so distant from family
0: because i think like even you know we talked about before you made the reference to like a disgraced cop whatever like i don't see in even the darkest timeline I don't see Brian's future panning out like this. Like, I think that he's got too much of a head on his shoulders. You know what, that though? even if everything broke bad, he would not wind up here.
1: I have a character that he's similar to. And I think it ties into the, the loss of his girlfriend. And I think that he's most similar to Han. In the sense that okay, as much as Han okay. keeps family around, Han still mm-hmm. acts very lone wolfy. We see the transition of, like, how Han acts different when Giselle dies. You know, he, like, leaves, runs to Japan... Doesn't really, like, tell any of them. They might know where he is, but he just, like, kind of leaves everyone and just, like, wants to be free. Start over. I I can see that. That's the closest I got to it. As much as he, like, on paper looks like Brian, mostly the only person I can relate him to is Han.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I didn't even think about Han, but, yeah, like, he's, like, this is kind of his Tokyo in a way. Like, it's just the open road. It's the Wild West, really.
1: Yes, exactly. Doesn't that feel, like, a little bit better? For sure. For sure.
0: So what fast connections did you find? I mean, I think like I didn't think about that. I think that feels like it sounds like it's one that you just thought of now. But what I did you notice in this it. movie connecting wise to the uh, the film franchise that we hold so dear?
1: We start this movie off with a helicopter, a train, a car. We start this movie off like with like very fast things. There's like a point where he crosses a train track early on. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is cool. On the note of trains, there's the scene where he's racing the guy in the silver convertible. And the guy jumps it off the side of the bridge, very fast five that we were just talking about, Wes' favorite set piece in Fast Five, right? I was watching that. I was like, this is the exact same scene of Dom and Brian jumping off the thing, just with, you know, a little bit added to it, to the point where I almost feel like the one in Fast Five is an homage to that. It's a silver convertible. I mean, they're different cars.
0: While it could be an homage, like what Kowalski does in that time is like, I know what I'm about to say sounds crazy given, like, the lengths to which the family does action stunts, but, like, it feels so much more aggressive than, like, the things that we would normally see from the family. You know what I mean? In what sense? Like, he feels like he's malicious. Not maliciously, but, like, flipping a car off the road. It just feels like... No, but
1: he doesn't flip the car off the road. The guy loses control of the car and goes off the road because he feels remorse for it. He stops and then, like, sees the cops coming and, like, goes back to it. But, like, he's not, like, trying to push this guy off the road. And he's like not even trying to race other people. This guy comes up and tries to race him,
0: which I thought was very reminiscent of two lane blacktop. Yes, they have other cars come up to them on the road. They're like, "Hey, you want to race?" And they're basically just like, they don't even like dignify it with a response. Like, "No, I'm not." Like, why would I race you? Like, he knows that this challenger is going to smoke this guy's sports car. Like, this is you know Ferrari more than you can afford, pal. Right? Like, it's the yeah. same kind of like you. You. He's. He looks like he should beat them, but like the challenger has all the. It's got the the power under the engine.
1: The idea is that he's not chasing the race. Like, it keeps coming to him, which feels very Dom. Like, Dom's never out there, like, trying to race. He's not initiating races a lot of the time. Like, people are coming to challenge him. Like, he has, like, very serious meanings when he wants to race things. Like, he's trying to, like, win a car for a job or something like that. Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's people being like, oh, Dom Toretto. Like, I gotta race Dom Toretto. And he's like, dude, like, I don't even need to do this. Like, it's not for me. It's for you.
0: And I think to a certain extent that's the same kind of thing that we see with DK in Tokyo Drift, right? Like, he's probably not initiating Initiating races. He's just there to like Alright, we got another challenger, like, alright, gotta take this punk down, right? Like, Han too. When Han yeah. this is
1: very Han, right? Han says when Sean asks him why he doesn't race DK and he's like, What's the point of the race? Right. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. he better, I don't care. Yeah, so damn, Kowalski very Han. I just keep coming back to this Hanness. There was a scene where he is. Running at, I think it's maybe a cop. I don't have it written down, but he plays chicken.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That was a cop. Very
1: Fast and the Furious Seven when Dom plays chicken with, with Shaw. Although, although neither of them move. But that's because you know what's what's an impossible. What what's the strong force versus an impossible? Yeah,
0: impossible force, unmovable object.
1: And then like one of my last fast connections was all the flashbacks. Letty not remembering four with Dom flashing back to see how Letty pans out and the, and like the surrealness of that. And I, I saw a lot of that in this movie.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing that I noticed that was a, uh, not a fast connection, but a, a connection to another movie that we did, like just like Two Lane Blacktop, very similar, I think, to The Hollywood Knights. We are kind of propelled through the narrative by an energetic DJ. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I love the DJ through lines in these movies that we've been doing. We're going to get another one in another movie we're
0: doing coming up. Well, I mean, there's a DJ in Death Proof oh yeah yes 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 of the era of the late 60s early 70s i think there's a lot of things that are similar because they're capturing the culture and then in movies and radio like is Death a Proof, big part of it yeah yeah exactly it's the cruising culture it's the like i also think that that's something that adds to the ethereal nature of this movie is he actually responding to the radio like that seems impossible it's funny though i love that i wanted to talk
1: about that that's like one of the those are some of the coolest scenes in this movie is that the dj's talking and he's like hey kowalski he's like hey dj You know they're looking for you, right? He's like, I know. And he's, like, responding to the radio. And you know that the radio guy can't hear him. He just knows his responses. right? And the way that those play out, like, that plays out in the scenes is so fucking cool. When he stops the car and he'll get out and, like, he'll be, like, talking to somebody else. But the DJ will be like, hey! And he'll be like, okay. And, like, turns back around and, like, listens to the radio. It's such a cool one-sided conversation. I thought that was a great vehicle for the fi- Like, vehicle for the film.
0: Like, if we didn't see within the radio station, it almost would feel like the, DJ, the DJ's not even real because it feels like he's just hearing voices, which he, is, Voice which he of essentially God or is, because he'll be in a conversation like you, like, I, say you're Kowalski and I'm talking to you outside the car, and then all of a sudden you just like, you don't even say goodbye, like you just walk back to the car because you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta listen to my friend on the radio. It's just like, this car hasn't had a radio in 20 years. Like, what are you hearing?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the drugs, man. Why have we never seen Fast and the Furious in the Midwest? Do you ever think about that? Like, we never see Fast... Like, like when we were talking to Larson, right? Like, Fast and the Furious, like, Mm -hmm. Trenton, New Jersey, or whatever. But, like, Fast and the Furious, like, Omaha. Why do we never see them? Like, this did feel very turbocharged prelude
0: sean gives us that element kind of right in tokyo drift he it's does but there, the but set it's...
1: piece i'm talking about the set piece of like why are they never like route 66
0: but i mean i feel like that's also true of most movies like why are there not more movies in the midwest like it's like unless you're intentionally setting a movie there most movies take place in just in big cities
1: i guess we get like some of it when we're like at the beginning of brazil when they like like four like the beginning of the heist in four More desert, more openness, more heist on the road or driving on the road kind of car getaways not in a city would be very interesting
0: yeah i would, I, I, th- I think so in a similar kind of sense a similar kind of thought process there's things in this movie that we have never seen in the fast and furious movie that we've talked about having never seen that kowalski what? gets gas in this movie i was kowalski gonna say this yes gets a flat tire in this movie that he, rep- he repairs yes it's like he gets gas right i'm like oh shit he's getting gas and he, like he kind of falls in the gas station attendant there for a second i was like has, a, oh, cool. has another
1: flashback remembers the girl
0: and i was like oh huh like okay i wonder so he's getting gas i wonder if he's gonna get a flat tire not remembering it was like oh shit there it is all right Uh, cool
1: cool." and has to change it and that's like part of the film like he throws the jack down like he's gonna do this changing himself it's awesome
0: to that end like it's the things that we don't normally see in a fast and furious movie it's like we don't see the midwest we don't see the gas we don't see the tire like we know that there are things that they deal with we just don't actually see them.
1: Tarantino makes Death Proof. A lot of films are influenced by films like these, Two Lane Blacktop, Vanishing Point, stuff like that, right? I would like to see a director like Tarantino make an homage to A Fast and the Furious. And I think it'd be really cool that in 40 years from now, when we're still doing Too Fast Too Forever, that we're mm-hmm. going to see like a new generation of directors that's like a young kid coming up being like, you know what movies I really miss? those Fast and the Furious ones and like makes like like an homage to Fast and the Furious. Like from a completely different perspective, like a new age perspective, that would be really, really cool.
0: Well what's funny is you thinking that they're not going to keep making Fast and Furious movies in forty years. Like they're never they're, they're never gonna stop making these movies.
1: Yeah, but somebody's gonna be like, you know what we really lost? Like now that these are action set pieces, we really lost that like down home car culture family movie that Fast and the Furious one was. And, like, it's going to really resonate with, like, a small child now. And in 10 years, when he's, like, 24, he's going to, like, make his first, like, Fast and Furious reboot movie. And you're going to be like, holy shit, that's awesome.
0: So I really wonder, in the history of car movies, it feels like there's a lot of classic car movies from the era that we're covering. Say, like, basically just, say, the 70s, right? Was there ever a revival? Did car movies ever really come back? I mean, the Fast and Furious brought them back, but, like, has the car movie itself gone away forever we had
1: stuff like drive right we had stuff sure, like yeah
0: speed i wouldn't call speed a car movie
1: yeah i say some of the james bonds kind of feel like car movies in the sense that fast and the furious is now feel, or car movies i
0: think that's a good point but i also feel like every james bond movie is to a certain extent like a movie from the 60s. Ah, that's fair. What's going to be interesting to your point about, you know, revivals in 40 years or whatever is we've talked about before, like if cars don't really exist in 40 years, if cars are a different thing, are people going to have nostalgia for cars or are they going to have nostalgia for a kind of movie that is gone?
1: I think they might.
0: You know, like if nobody knows, if nobody drives, if nobody buys cars, if everybody just does ride shares or teleportation, who knows what's going to be here in 40 years? Are people going to be nostalgic for a thing that they've never experienced in their life and they only saw on screen? Like, are you nostalgic for, like, it's almost like you're being nostalgic for, like, a feeling or a thing as opposed to, like, a simpler time where, like, you watch an old movie and there's paper boys on the street, like, selling the evening edition for a nickel. It's Even,
1: like, like, these guys, like, the radio playing such an important part to them, right?
0: Right. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna make a movie unlike, I guess, I guess you might. Like, that's that's actually, like, an example where, like, you might make a movie about a radio DJ from the 60s or, I don't know. Like, it's, it's gonna be very weird because I think that we're, we're at the heart of such a changing way of Viewing the like the meat, not the medium like I don't I don't even know what you call the car right it's just like yeah I'm curious to see because I think to a certain extent sadly like the car movies kind of died
1: but I think that that plays into the bigger picture of the like before the gas restrictions in the you know early seventies. Yeah. That's why we have all these car movies here, right? Because, like, the car was such, like, a symbol of freedom. Like, you know, they were pushing the boundaries, and they were really trying to make cars fast and interesting and sporty. You know, when you had, like, the gas crisis of, like, what, 72 or, like, like around there, that they started to make, like, more fuel-efficient cars, and that you kind of lose the character of a car. Like, the car manufacturers were trying to make something to meet standards, not make something cool and fast and fun. And I think that's when we start to lose the car movies because of that.
0: And I wonder if, like, in the 80s, when we transition again to excess, like, it's it's the red sports car, it's the cocaine, it's like...
1: Yeah, then you get Miami Vice, you get yeah. Scarface, you get these kinds of like,
0: things. like, cars are important, but cars are just one of, like, four or five different things that all make up, like, this life of excess, right? And so, yeah. instead of just being the car as the symbol, it's like the car as one of the symbols.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting. We got down a a weird piece of road on our trip to Cisco right there that I really liked.
0: At one point, they say, I think it's when the uh, the cops are radioing to each other. They're like, you know, this is not a stolen car. He's delivering it. He's like, like, you know, he's breaking the law, but he's not like he's not really a criminal other than like the, the the road things he's committing. But they're like, this car is supercharged, and I was like, ooh, supercharged.
1: The cops actually seem like kind of reluctant to try to stop him because like every time the cops are talking to each other, they're like, what is he doing? They're like, just speeding. They're like, it's not that bad, and I'm like cops today can pretty much roast you for spe- like how are they so you know what I mean like they're like oh man it's not like a stolen car or anything like we can't really do much
0: I mean he does run other cops off the road like they're he is doing yeah. worse things than just speeding but yeah. I also think I think they're probably afraid of him also it just feels like what's funny is that when he leave when he's leaving the Colorado he swerves and like the what's funny is like the line painter that truck like swerves and so the line gets all painted all funky or whatever the Colorado State Police see the you're entering Nevada and they just like pull off like a hard like I remember Remember years ago, I was driving back from with my dad from somewhere, and he's like, we were following or we were like next to or whatever, like a state trooper. And he's like, watch these, these these troopers are gonna take this exit right here. I was like, how do you know? He, he, <laughs> they did. I was like, how do you know? That? He's like, oh, because like this is the last turn in Pennsylvania, and like we're about to hit New Jersey, and like they wouldn't go further. Yeah, like, they oh. don't need to. Yeah, yeah. You, maybe they're afraid, or maybe they're just like, I don't really give a shit. Like that's not my. It's that's somebody else's problem.
1: It's just the jurisdiction's done. They can't yeah. like arrest him in the next state. That's really funny. And we were watching a lot of live PD, and one night we were watching. Live PD, and there's like this this town in Rhode Island, right? And there was this kid that was on a on a motorcycle, and he knew that they couldn't cross um, township lines, like town lines there was a cop, and she was, like, in the town of whatever, and, like, the line was, like, right on the border, and so what he would do is he would come and just, like, do laps around the town as fast as he could on Live PD, and then he would just drive to the border and, like, cross the line, and then just, like, stop and do, like, the same thing to her, and he was driving this female cop nuts all night, and she was just, like, so ready to motherfuck him on Live PD, and she's, like, oh, I'll get him one night, I will, and, like, he, j- and he knew, like, you know what I mean? Like he knows what he would do. Like he would just like he would see her sitting there and just like blow by her, and she would like chase him, and he would like catch her. Like just at the point where like she would chase him just long enough to him to get to the town line, and he would just like go up and like make a U turn. You know, and he just do this all night because like live PD's on for like three hours, right?
0: What I like about that story is that that feels like the real life example of that like urban legends. Like oh, did you hear? There's a speed trap outside of town, and there's this guy in this all black car, and he just drives by like he knows exactly where it is every night, and he just drives by, he guns it, and the cop Cops can't get him because he turns his lights off. It's like that never happened, like that's not real, but it feels no, like this is really the, happened. This is it the embodiment Lai Lai of that. D. It's just like it's the same kind of attitude, it's just like <laughs> fuck you try to stop me.
1: Yeah, he was just like giving this cop, like he just kept her busy all night. Because, like, in Live PD, they'll like cut you know to a different state and then they come back and they'd be like, Oh, we're back with what's her name in Rhode Island, like let's see what she's up to. And she's like, It's that damn motorcycle again. And he would just be like, Brow! and just like fly by her. <laughs> like over it. and over again like every 20 minutes it was it. awesome
0: there's a really there's two really weird interactions in this movie and I don't know that there's a ton to talk about with either but there's the time where he meets the guy in the desert with all the snakes this
1: was very interesting he
0: helps the he gives the guy a ride which I think he brings the guy to the hippie place where he gets the drugs from he wants to get the drugs from
1: no he doesn't on the note that you were saying about the allegories in this movie he finds a guy who's catching snakes to sell to healers that are having like a Jesus healing Right, yes, yes. Congregation yes, 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 yes. type thing mm-hmm. in the desert. And right. they're like, why do you bring people here? They're essentially running a cult in the middle of the desert, right? Yeah, And he's like, oh, I'm bringing the snakes to you. You keep buying the snakes because they're like they're like healers that use snakes, right? And he's like, oh, we don't need the snakes anymore. We have the music now. Which is very interesting to the film. A lot of the plot is being driven by the DJ playing the music and talking to him, right? Like, right. We don't need yeah, the yeah. snakes anymore. We have the music now. And right. so like, now that you're talking about that, that's a really interesting thing that I'm thinking in my head.
0: That whole interaction was interesting. And the guy's like, I got, what's he say? He's got uh, six rattlers, two sidewinders, and a diamondback. They're all like, in a single basket. I was like, that's... That's a lot of snakes in one basket. Like, what are you doing, my man? <laughs> don't
1: keep, don't keep all your snakes in one basket.
0: But it almost feels like he's not real either, because like, you yeah, know, Kowalski sees a snake and then he looks up and the guy's like right there. Like he's either the guy who was like trailing the snake none of this is real or just like the biggest coincidence of the world because it's just like oh yes. shit there's a snake oh there's a guy who's going to literally catch a snake for me okay cool yep. like he almost doesn't have time to worry about it because the guy is just right there immediately but the other thing that was very very strange is when he picks up maybe a gay couple who's just married or maybe just two guys who are scamming I don't know like, it's a very weird situation because they like like I bet you think we're queer don't you they flag Kowalski down he picks them up he brings them on he feels so like happy to yes. have like other people in the car which goes against his nature it feels like he's just like a lone wolf like we've been saying but he like seems relieved to have these people in the car and then they pull a gun on him and then he basically like punches them both and throws them out of the car it's over almost like as quickly as it begins like it's it's crazy
1: yeah it's it's really weird they're setting a trap right like they're faking this i think this. so they get in and, he, and he's like this is a stick up and him being like an ex cop he's like no it's not and he's like <laughs> He just like snickers and then like throws him out the door. Which is awesome.
0: It seems like the car doesn't stop and somehow he gets the guy from the back seat and throws him out of the car. Like it's crazy. Like it's just to quote Machete, which is going to be the trailer that is before Planet Terror, if you watch the full grindhouse next episode, yeah. like they just fucked with the wrong Mexican. It's like you just fucked with the wrong guy on the street, right? Like just you know, of all the people that you could yep. possibly try to scam. You get the one who's, like, you know, this crazy, psychotic, to a certain extent, unhinged ex-cop who knows how to handle himself. Like, whoops. Whoops.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was a really cool interaction, though. And I wasn't expecting that. There's, like, a lot of weird play with stuff like that. Like, because they're, like, do you feel uncomfortable because we're we're gay? Or, like, do you think that we're gay? And he's, like, I really don't care. He's, like, totally unconcerned with that. He's just, like... I just picked you up, like, I'm driving. And then they're like, this is a stick-up, and he throws them out.
0: Like, it feels like a trap both to rob him, but also to be like, look at you, you homophobe. But it's also, like, they're very clearly, yeah. they're stereotypically gay, they're in, a just ma- they're in a car that says just married. I, 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 don't, I don't understand any of that.
1: I like it, though. I like all of these, like, mini- miniature interactions. This movie feels like a more expanded two-lane blacktop. It's, like, a little bit more sussed out than two-lane blacktop.
0: Not much, but just like a little bit more. Both movies have a driver who just like exists to drive, right? Like there's there's nothing else that's, pardon the pun, driving them, right? They're just like, I'm at peace in my car. This is the only place I want to be. I don't want to do anything else. If I didn't have this, I don't know what I would be doing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: The original, the director, Richard Serafin's original choice for the role of Kowalski was Gene Hackman. But 20th Century Fox Weird. insisted on using Barry Newman instead. What's the French Connection? Like, 73? Yeah. 71. Oh, same year. Same year. So, yeah. Then this movie, the like cult classic, for obvious reasons, like, it's just a kind of a cool, badass, like, to the point that Entertainment Weekly ranked it as number two on their Guilty Pleasures Testosterone Edition. It'll list in 2007. So anyway, that's number two. I don't know what number one is, but this is number two. But this movie is referenced all over the place in pop culture. The British rock band Primal Scream released an album with this title in 97 and sampled dialogue from the movie. And they said that they conceived the album as, quote, an alternate soundtrack for the movie, which I think is pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah. The music video for Audio Slaves' Show Me How to Live follows the plot of this film and features scenes of the band in a 70 Dodge Challenger RT replicating scenes from the movie. And the Guns N' Roses song Breakdown has Axel Rose quoting two of this movie's monologues. It's kind of a movie that like I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of or a lot of people haven't seen, but the people who have, if you think you're gonna like this movie, you're gonna like this movie. You know like, oh, it's for like sure. if it doesn't sound interesting, like there's almost nothing gonna be here for you. Like it's a very specific, but if it resonates with you, it's gonna resonate in a big way.
1: I would like to watch this movie again and watch it with my father. Because okay. I know that he hasn't seen it. Oh, that's one of the things I want to talk about. I was talking to my dad the other day, yesterday, and I told him that we were we were going to record Vanishing Point yesterday night and I said like, hey, have you ever seen Vanishing Point? He was like, no, I've never seen it. I told him that we were doing all these classic car movies for this lap because, you know, he really doesn't give a shit about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, honestly. He just gives no fucks. And he's like, oh, what movies have you been watching, right? And I was, like, telling him, you know, what movies we had done up until that point and, like, what we planned on doing. And I asked him because I meant to ask him a couple weeks ago if he've ever seen Hollywood Nights.
0: You said the story on here. It's not even the story. But, like, what? you said that you wanted to ask him. And she's like, da 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 Okay, got to go by. Like, you meant, you, want, yes. you planned to tell him, but he just wouldn't let you, essentially.
1: Yes, but just when I was sitting there yesterday, I was at work, I was sitting there, I was, like, looking at Vanishing Point, like, you know, just, like, prepping, like, mentally prepping to watch it and things, and so, and he called, and I was, like, oh, it's the perfect time, like, he picked me at the right time, so I was, like, did you ever see the movie Hollywood Nights? He was, like, no, but my buddy literally just told me, like, this week have you ever seen that movie, you would really love it. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a really good blend of Animal House and American Graffiti. He was like, he said the exact same thing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much the only way to describe it. And he's like, yeah, he said he loves it, it's one of his favorite movies, I'll have to check it out. And then he was like, what other movies did you see? I was like, Bullet, and he was like, that's a fucking classic movie that's a great one I was like yeah I know uh, and like <laughs> he was like asking me what other ones we were gonna do and I was telling him and then he gave us a recommendation that which we might do later so
0: yeah so I found while you were saying I found that entertainment weekly it's the top 20 guilty pleasures for men top 20 edition. guilty pleasure no it doesn't, it doesn't even say that it just okay. says top 20 guilty pleasures for men are listed the greatest macho movies out there updated March 23rd Rambo, Rambo has to be one. no Rambo is not on the list okay Is it then? Most of these are like cult movies. Like, there's not a lot that are mainstream. I think the most mainstream one probably is like, like Dawn of the Dead, Shadow Pittsburgh's number five, A Fistful of Dollars from the good bad like the man with no name trilogy is number four oh, yeah. mad max is Physical number three is great. this is number two and then number one is the kurt russell vehicle escape from new york so we will be getting to mr kurt russell mr nobody himself in the next movie that we cover in death proof because he plays Ooh, stuntman mike that's right yeah but yeah so i mean it's just a, it's kind of a weird list but uh chris nashawati on entertainment weekly the top 20 guilty pleasures for men so if you just google entertainment weekly guilty pleasures testosterone edition or whatever It's there. So any other thoughts about Vanishing Points before we uh, close up shop and come back on Friday for Death Proof?
1: Like I said at the beginning of this, I need to talk through a lot of this movie with you. I enjoyed watching the movie. I didn't know exactly how my feelings were going about it, like plot wise. And now that we talked about the allegories and stuff like that, I really like this movie and I would like to watch it again through that lens and see how I feel about it afterwards. But I still really enjoyed the movie, even as just like a pure chase movie. Yeah, it's great. But I needed to figure out some of the plot things and stuff like that. And I'm glad that you helped me through that.
0: The action is not as grand or as spectacular as it is in other movies. But this is essentially a hundred minute long chase scene with like a few breaks here and there. Like he's gunning it for like probably an hour of this movie. Yep, which is very cool. And that's so I hope cool. that this like the reason I wanted to do it th- now is that, you know, this is the car like they reference this movie that like they're like in death proof. They're like, "Oh, that's the car from it's a it's a white 70 Challenger RT." Like it's this car and so i wanted to sort of like you don't i don't think you need to see this movie to get anything more like i don't know you're going to get anything more out of death proof but i think it's kind of cool to be like oh this is the movie that they were referencing and now you can see why these three badass women are like oh we want the vanishing point car because like this is like a seminal like if zoe bell is basically playing essentially quentin tarantino in that movie like oh i understand why like this is the fucking coolest car that's ever been made you know what i mean like this is yes this is america in a car essentially
1: plus Dodge Dom's Charger. It's very related, right? Yeah.
0: Well, thank you once again to Dodge for coming back. Um, yeah. You know, man. you know, next next movie's all about Dodge. Who knows? Maybe you know, if you're out there, if you buy, if you keep buying these Dodge cars, maybe Dodge will come back as a sponsor again. Who knows?
1: Who knows?
0: But for all things too fast, too forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com/slash too fast, too forever, or at too fast, too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. Come back on Friday for Death Proof. Check out our Patreon page at fast 2 forevercom We're up to 84 episodes, the Randy Moss of episodes. So we've got lots and lots of episodes for you to go back and listen to.
1: Or AB. I feel like we feel a lot more Antonio Brown than we do Anto- Randy
0: Moss, right? Is that it? A compliment or an insult? I don't know what that means. That's
1: a, that's a cell phone. What do you mean? I do nothing. We're just like way more loosey-goosey and off the rails. Oh,
0: I mean, like Randy Moss is like very good. I mean, he big moon to crowd. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Come back on Friday for Death Proof. Email us at family at me Leave us a review. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace to out. You anus, anus peacers. peacers.